Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. So, times are rough right now, I think, for a lot of people, and with the upcoming sentencing trial, I'm definitely feeling a very huge raise in my anxiety. I'm trying to keep myself okay, and most days it's easy, some days it's not, but... It's just the thing that I have been struggling with a lot is these weird flashbacks. And when I heard about flashbacks before, um, I just always imagined like somebody was just standing there and they just get trapped back in time. And it's like basically like a dream or something, and you remember every detail and, you know, all that stuff. And that's just, that hasn't been the case for me lately. It's like I have these tiny fragments of memories, and sometimes they come with the full picture, and sometimes it's just something very quick. And then, then the memories come back, and I don't know, it's just, it's been difficult for me lately, and I think that's why I've kind of been neglecting my podcasts, and I haven't really been posting as many episodes. I mean, I was getting burnt out for a while. I was posting very frequently, but the memories are hard, and I work through them with my therapist. I do the protocol, I guess you could call it, that we have worked out so I can deal with them on my own. But I mean, it's still hard. And I've been going through a lot of stressful things lately. And uh, it's just it's difficult. And it's so exhausting surviving and trying to move on with your life when The things you're trying to move on from keep creeping up on you in the weirdest places at the weirdest times. Surviving is probably the most exhausting thing I've ever done. And it's something that I just have to do every single day, all day. And I have a good support system, but it's very small. And... I don't always have someone that I can just pick up the phone and call and talk about my problems to. And then on the flip side, I have a lot of people that rely on me. And when they're having problems, they call me. And I always want to answer because I know what it's like to not have anybody And I always want to do what I can to be there for people. And it's one of the reasons that I started this podcast was so that way, you know, survivors don't have to feel like they're all alone. And it's a lot of pressure because I feel like lately some people have been putting too much on me and... I guess it's, I don't always ask for help 
But when I do, it's like they're never there. And it's hard um, putting up boundaries to another survivor because, you know, I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want them to feel lonely. But it's just... God, my mind keeps going blank. I should not be doing this this early. But it's just, it's really difficult. And I want to be supportive to people, but, you know, there's only so much support I can give. And it's hard to find supportive people for me. I mean, it's like my friend Cheryl, I just, I love her. She's a little crook little crazy about hermit crabs. Um, I know way too much about hermit crabs, but it's like every time I call her, she just always texts like, are you okay? And if I say anything other than, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just bored, she like calls. I love that. And it's sometimes exactly what I need is just like, even if a friend can't answer the phone, just a text, like, are you okay? Do you want to talk? Like, you know, and I've needed that a lot lately. And I have, I have some really hard anniversaries coming up of people that meant a lot to me that have passed away and the anniversary of their deaths are coming up. So I'm just like all over the place and looking for support isn't always easy. And I was talking with a friend last night about different people that I had that I allowed to move in with me. These are people I knew very close relationships, um, had known for years and just like the terrible experiences that I've had when it comes to friends. And I know I struggle with close relationships. Trust obviously is a huge issue. It's hard to really fully trust someone when the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally hurt and damage you in the most unimaginable ways. But I got to thinking and I was frustrated last night and I just said to my husband, like, God, why is it every time I try to help someone, it just, it backfires. They stab me in the back. They do horrible things or, you know, they just turn out to be shitty people. And this seems to be a pattern that's been going on, well, for at least 10 years since I've been married to my husband. And I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just so frustrating because I, I want to change the world. I want people to start hearing and knowing the truth about sex trafficking. And I don't feel like I can do that anymore. But I've got great people in my corner that reminds me that I definitely can and that I will. But see, it's difficult because you have the people that you know need help and you give too much of yourself to help and then they end up hurting you. But you also have people that 
you tell your story to, and then they turn around and they exploit you all over again. And I've had that happen quite a bit. It is very disheartening and it's it's so hard to talk about. Um, it was a few years ago, the first time that I really started to see that people were using me and my story for sometimes monetary gain, sometimes to open organizations up and use my testimony as a survivor that they're helping. But it's like, it's really difficult (laughs) to talk about. Um, I had a close friend and she was a survivor. She opened up an organization. I sat on the board for it. And it turned out to be the worst thing ever when it all started. It was everything I ever wanted. I wanted to be on the ground helping people. And I think I got hurt more than I ever have been by anyone. And the local organization here, when I asked to give my speech, said, you know, that the exploited will be exploited. And he wasn't about that. And I think this specific time was the first time I got what he was talking about. So I was planning on pressing charges against the man that kidnapped me after I escaped my parents, which is really crazy all of it, um, because I can actually see the posts on Facebook right now that I posted 12 years ago. Um, June 4th was the day he took me. Um, and it was, it was so wild two years ago. I mean, I first was sharing on TikTok and I felt so strong because I got so many followers and it wasn't just like I had this huge number. Like it was people that were constantly interacting with me, constantly commenting. And I built a small family there. And most of those people are listening to my episodes and I still talk to most of them. And it was one night just out of the blue I had a flashback about the time that he held me down. Well, he basically raped me for like five hours one night. And I just woke up the next morning and I decided I was done. Like I was so done with having memories. And there were slow flashbacks and memories that were coming along with what he had done. And I said to this friend that I was on the board and opening the organization with that I I wanted to press charges. I knew that I couldn't do it with my parents, but I could with him. So I didn't want to go down to the police station alone. So I scheduled a time with my advocate. And the way it works is 
when you're not in the state that the crime took place, you go to your local police department, they file or take the report, and then they'll forward it over to the jurisdiction where the crimes actually took place. So I had it scheduled out like two weeks, and I told everybody about it that was on the board just to let them know that, you know, if there was any meetings and stuff like that, that I'd probably miss them because, you know, I was going to go through a lot of emotions. After I met with the police, I went to a dark place. I was very anxious all the time. I was very jumpy. I told my story to a police officer and that officer believed me and I didn't even know his name. Like I could not remember his name at that time. And it was, it was some hard times. And this person I was opening with the organization with just disappeared, totally ghosted me for weeks and we had been planning a rally in D.C. And she, she made all these plans because she couldn't talk to me. She was going through her own things and needed space. And I, you know, thought I'd give it to her. And it turns out the only space she needed was from me, not from anybody else, because she was still talking to the other board members. She was planning a march that was completely ridiculous. I mean, it would have taken five hours. I just wanted a small rally, you know, and I got upset that she was planning it without me because it was my idea and we were supposed to do it together. And long story short, I ended up stepping down from the board and stepping away from them because I realized that they couldn't even support one of their board members that was going through the legal process. So how are they going to help any other survivors? And I realized what the director of the organization here had always said, that the exploited get exploited because I asked them to remove pictures that I had put on social media because they were pictures of my daughters. You couldn't tell their, who they were. Their faces were covered up, but they were the people I used. And they didn't, they didn't want to take it down. Like It was just this whole huge mess. I was hurting from the memories and terrified that I had just done what I did. I didn't know what was going to come of it. I didn't know how in-depth of an investigation it was going to be, how many times I was going to have to meet with investigators and all of that. I mean, it was terrifying. And here I have, like, the most unsupportive set of people. And, yeah, they have their organization and my story is on their page. And it's just like, uh, I don't have the mental capacity right now to even deal with that. But throughout the process of filing my reports and all of that stuff, I just, I learned who my friends weren't, and I learned who my friends were, and I found the new friends that are way better than some of my old ones, and it's just, it's a roller coaster ride. When I 
filed the charges against James. It happened in four separate counties. So that was four times that I needed to talk to a detective, four times that I needed to give a five-hour-long statement, and four times that I was told we don't have enough to go forward. It was devastating, and it was a very difficult time for me. And I feel like I'm in that place again. No, I'm not in the middle of pressing charges against anyone, but it's like I've started sharing more of my story, and I've started talking to talking about certain things and certain people, and it's hard to find good support. And that's why I'm a huge advocate that we need more resources for survivors, especially adult survivors of their parents, because there's just not much out there. And when we find a survivor, of course, we latch to them and build this bond because we share this common trauma. And I mean... They get it, and my one good friend, um, I won't say her name, but she always says, you know, I feel more comfortable talking to you than my other friends because you don't try to one-up me or invalidate me. Those are my words. She does not use that fancy of words. I love her to death, though, but um, it gets to the point where you're just overexerting yourself. And survivors have to rely on other survivors. And with me and my one friends, we've been gone a long time. So, you know, we, uh, we're a little bit stronger than we were when we first escaped. And I think we kind of have this unspoken understanding between us that if we're just overwhelmed, we just don't respond to each other. Um, I'll text her something and she'll write me back like two days later. I'll text, we'll talk in between, but we just won't talk about it, you know, and vice versa. Um, I think my therapist asks how I put up boundaries when she exhausts me and I say, I just ignore it. She gets it, but it's like, we're in this big world all by ourselves, gone through this horrific, heinous trauma, and we're reliving it every day. We can go to the police, but most of the time nothing can happen of, like, from it, not because they don't believe us, but because sex trafficking survivors, they don't have the evidence that they the district attorneys feel like they need in order to move forward. And then it's like, I'm so traumatized sometimes by the things in my life that I can't be there for other friends that are survivors and vice versa. It's just this cycle. And I wish I could break that cycle. I don't know how to. Um, people that don't know me very well always ask, you know, if my parents are in jail and they're not, they never will be. And some people, they don't get it. They ask like, well, how can you 
sleep at night or how can you live with the fact knowing that they may be trafficking someone else? And I don't think they are. I don't know 100% if they are or not. But even if they are, it's not my fault. (laughs) It never will be my fault. And that's why I'm closer with survivors because they get that. They get it. And they don't ask those questions. I mean, I have, well, it's finally slowed down, but I had a video on TikTok that was going forever. It has over 200,000 views talking about the forced abortions that I was forced to have while I was being trafficked. And it's like the comments, I'm just like, are these real people? Like, do people actually think this? Do they, like, it's, I don't get it. I don't get why when we have so much in the news about sex trafficking and people demanding names and demanding this and demanding that, that people just, they don't know how to behave. And I've been, I've been trying to make some videos about topics that I really want to talk about, but it's like every time I open my TikTok, it's like I got to delete like 20 nasty comments. And it's like, I was like, I swear, I hope this is bots. I, I just, I try to convince myself that's what it is because it's like, I don't know why anyone would talk to anybody like that, you know, but it's, it's a rough road. And I don't want people that may be listening to lose hope because you can get to a good place and I'm in a good place, but that doesn't mean I don't still struggle. And it doesn't mean that I don't have battles every single day that I have to fight, whether it's conspiracy theories or people that just don't understand what sex trafficking is. I mean, the list is like so huge on top of getting my husband to stop snoring, um, which is why I'm awake in the crack of dawn. Um, Sorry, my allergies are like killing me. I've never been allergic to anything in my life until this year. I don't get it. But I think... My biggest take, because I totally am rambling because I'm exhausted, is we just, we have to be kind to each other, and we have to set good examples for our kids. I mean, there's so much drama on social media right now. Everyone's fighting because everybody wants everybody to have the same beliefs as them, and They want to fight over literally everything. And then TikTok, I think, is like the worst because it's like, well, this person docks this person and this person did this. And it's just it's like children come on social media and whether people think they're old enough to be on there or not is totally irrelevant because they're on there. They find a way. And it's like. I know sex traffickers, and I know how they groom. I know that they use kids sometimes, but it's like when, and I made a video on TikTok, so sorry if anyone's seen it, but it's like when adults are bickering and bullying each other on social media, kids see that, 
And if they're being bullied or abused at home and they want someone to be kind, well, the sex traffickers will be kind. The children they're using to groom them will be kind. And who do you think they're going to latch on to? I mean, it's not going to be the adults bickering and bullying. It's going to be those people that are being kind. So it's like, let's protect our kids. And it starts with us. It starts with everyone. And I try to be as nice as I can. I get in some battles on uh, social media with some people, but it's like, I'm not like name calling and, you know, but well, I kind of did a little bit on one of my TikTok videos, but they mentioned my kids. It's kind of a red line for me, but it's like, we have to make the world a safer place for them. And everyone agrees with that. They all agree that we got to make it safer for our children, but they won't on social media because they want to be able to be assholes. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why they just will not stop. So <sighs> I spent a lot of time alone as a child, as an adult. In the past couple of weeks, I felt that loneliness stronger than I think I have in a quite some time. And I think the message that I just want to get out is be kind to each other because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know if someone is struggling with their PTSD, depression, other things. Um, you don't know if they're in the process, the very long, drawn-out process of filing criminal charges against someone that did a horrible thing to them. And just make the world safer for our kids. And that's going to be one of the one of the other big things to help with trafficking. I mean, awareness, accurate awareness, spreading that, getting that information out is so important, but it's also creating a safe space for kids on social media cuz sometimes that's their only outlet and Sometimes that's their only way to find somebody that will listen or is going through something like, or like something like they're going through, you know? <coughs> oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't feel like editing. I hate editing. But it seems like there's lines people draw when it comes to protecting kids. Like they'll, they'll do everything they can, but it's like the things that really affect them personally it's like no I'm not changing what I do because of sex trafficking and it's just it's very confusing to me I don't understand that I mean I got in a conversation with someone talking about how I thought that the dance gymnastics beauty pageants industry is very exploitive for little kids and it is and I know that it was used to exploit me um, when we would go on competitions and even just at the dance studio. And the person I talked about it with got so offended by me just bringing up that we shouldn't be putting little kids in these skimpy outfits. And I was talking about three, four, five, six-year-olds, 
and it, it just it turned into this whole thing and I'm just like I don't get it I talked to a lot of people about it and it seems like people that had gone through trauma as a child got it and understood where I was coming from but the older the person was well I should say the older the woman was because it was women that felt that way was like now you can't you can't change what you put it what a child wears because they'll be preyed on and I'm just like I'm still trying to make sense out of it I'm still doing um, interviews with some people. I'm going to release a whole episode about it, but it was like, I thought about that. It's like, okay, people will not give their kid a phone, you know, do background checks on their friend's parents and things like that. But that's, that's where they draw the line, not changing how they dress a child in a beauty pageant show or, a recital. Um, and it's it's the same thing with social media. It's like, okay, it's it's a toxic place. There are sex traffickers grooming on there. There are children that are grooming other children for sex traffickers. So maybe change your behavior, but they, they draw the line at that. They won't do that. I don't get it. I just don't. And I think I just have this huge heart, and I would just do anything, anything, I could if it meant that somebody didn't have to be sitting here like I am in the early hours of the morning dealing with all these crazy thoughts about the past, dealing with the trauma on a daily basis. I'd do anything if it protected someone's kid. And I I got to stop expecting that from people, I guess. I don't know. I know I babbled. <laughs> I'm so tired. I need to get back in bed and go back to sleep for a couple more hours, but I needed to get an episode out. It's been a while. I had a lot on my mind that I needed to sort through, so I kind of just did that. Figured I'd kill two birds with one stone. But thank you guys for listening to me babble and for your continued love and support. It it means a lot to me. Um I have a voice that I never thought I would have, and I reach people that I never even dreamed I could reach, and I do feel like I'm making some what of a difference, not as much as I want, but someday I'll get there, but I hope y'all have an amazing week, and just think about it, you know, think about all the times that you see adults acting nasty to each other on social media and fighting back and forth. And then just think about how you'd feel if your child came to you and said that they were bullied by an adult on social media who thought they were an adult, didn't know they were a kid. And I mean, that's mainly, that's one of the big things I think we can do. So Again, thank you so much for your love and continued support. And I hope y'all have an amazing day. Talk to you soon.